And welcome back, entry to another action-packed episode of the Deadly Podcast, Kung Fu, brought to you by the Villains Man, where myself, JVD, attempts to traverse the continuity of Marvel's most prolific martial artist, Dan Iron Fist and Shang-Chi. If you want to keep up with the podcast, you can do so over on Twitter, Instagram, and Mastodon, and a fledgling Facebook page, which I'm... I think I might just wind up ending. Might end up with Mastodon too. Even though uh, I do get a lot of interaction on the Mastodon, it's just a lot of social media to keep up with. Now, if you um, have been wondering why I've been gone for the last two weeks, me and Evan the Great from The Villains Man has started up our very popular podcast, Crossover Collision. It's almost been a mainstay with Villains Man since we started it back in 2018. And we kind of had a big hiatus last year due to life and personal issues. But if you love talking about matchups and comic books, and mainly comic books is what we cover, uh, go check it out. We've recently released uh, King the Conqueror versus Reverse Flash. Here this week, we're doing Obi-Wan Kenobi versus Gandalf, film only because Gandalf obviously has, besides the Lord of the Rings books, he has, you know, The Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings trilogy, so it's a lot easier to go off by film. But um, if you like that type of stuff, please go check those out. Me and Evan the Great put a lot of work into research for those matchups. We're completely unbiased about everything. I've had some of my favorite characters lose. Evan's had some of his favorite characters to lose. And we really try to um, make sure we really find a good outcome for who we think would actually win between the characters. So if you're interested in all such a thing, uh, please go subscribe, listen to that, and uh, I'll make sure I play the promo for a crossover collision here in this episode as a reminder now today we are covering iron fist number 11 and number 12 it's a two-part story featuring the wrecking crew and the sentinel of liberty the living legend himself captain america now um before i get started here uh i'm going to start trying to if i remind myself i'm going to start talking about the issues that were released at hand between Iron Fist and Shang-Chi when I cover said issues for the podcast. Because, um, and I've done this here in the past with Iron Fist, especially when number one hit and he teamed up with Iron Man, and I'll talk more about that when I get there. But there are a lot of issues that are referenced in this, and I do have a tendency to go down that rabbit hole and read said back issues that are referenced, or if there's something that's currently going on at the time, because I do read comics, I love comics, and I have the Marvel Unlimited app, which is where I read Iron Fist. You can't read um, any of the Master of Kung Fu stuff on there because it is currently unavailable due to rights issues. Um, and, and I get that. We, we see that with uh, Conan, and we've seen that with like Godzilla. I apologize if you hear vehicles. It's nice outside. I've got a window open. The weather's beautiful today on the day that I'm recording. But um, I, I kind of hope that they bring those back. Uh, once the new Shang-Chi movie hits, because absence makes the heart grow fonder. And uh, those uh, that first omnibus is pretty expensive still, if you don't have such a thing, and I don't. It's something that I want, but I'm not willing to shell out close to $200 for it. Now, speaking of omnibus, on the day that this drops out, we are getting the Immortal Iron Fist omnibus. With all 27 issues, the Immortal Weapons uh, five-part mini, and all the one-shots with the Immortal Iron Fist story. So please go pick that book up. There's a lot of pages on Twitter, if you're with the uh, Deadly Hands of Kung Fu that I've been sharing. There's a lot of people that are promoting it. There is a really good point that's brought up that the more people that pick this up, which this is the you know ultimate Iron Fist story that everybody always points to if you're trying to get people to read Iron Fist, is read this story. And uh, the more people that pick this up, the more that uh, it gets you know generated and it's popular, the more Iron Fist stories we'll get. 
And uh, hopefully we'll get some more omnibuses because it does seem like we're getting all the early Danny Rand stuff the beginning of next year, which I do believe is the 50-year anniversary of the character. So uh, with Iron Fist number 11, which was released on November 2nd, 1976, there were 13 other issues released by Marvel that week. We have Unknown Worlds of Science Fiction Special number 1, Titans 55, which I do believe is a reprint book of uh, older Marvel issues, Daredevil 142, Invaders 13, Kazar 20, Kid Cole Outlaw 215, Cole the Destroyer 19, Marvel Premiere 34, Marvel 2 and 1 24, Miss Marvel number 2, which I do own all that run because I am a fan, Set of Satan number 8. If you have not listened to Bronze Age Monsters, go follow those guys on Twitter and Instagram. Um, if you can catch a bite for their Discord, they have it. Uh, used to be Werewolf by Night podcast. They just started up an excellent podcast if you love Marvel Comics and you want to keep up with the Bronze Age Monsters goodness that Marvel was putting out at the time. So please go check those guys out. And I've been sharing the start of this new podcast that they're doing to kind of promote it. Then we got Marvel Super Villain Team Up number 10 and Tomb of Dracula number 15. Number 12 was released two months later on January 5th, 1977 with 10 other issues which are Daredevil 44, Invaders 15, Kid Cole Outlaw 217, Cole Store number 20, Marvel Super number 35, Marvel 2 and 1, 26, Marvel Super Villain Team Up number 11, Tomb of Dracula 55, What If number 2, and Rampage number 12. But let's go ahead and get on to the issues at hand here. Hunter Fist number 11 is titled A Fine Day's Dying, and your creative team is Chris Claremont on writing. We got John Byrne on pencils, Dan Atkins on inks, Don Warfield, colorist, John Costanda's letters, and Archie Goodwin is the editor. Gil Kane and Danny Krebsby did the cover. Iron Fist leaps and flips across the New York City skyline to Manhattan South Medical Complex to meet Misty Knight. After meeting some of her friends who are being released from the hospital, they check on Colleen Wing, who is there for her father. She's upset that Professor Wing doesn't know her after being caught in Angar the Screamer's Mindstorm. Angry at herself for not killing the villain back in Hawan, she storms out of the hospital. Needing to clear his mind, Danny asks Misty to accompany him to the nearby park. He explains to her that he has been conflicted if he should return to Kung Lung, but is realizing being Danny Rand is just and as important as being Iron Fist. Before he can finish explaining, the park rumbles and the wrecking crew comes crawling out of the fissure created by their tunneling. As the citizens flee for their lives, Ricker shouts to all who can hear that they are going to go and kill Thor. With the villains recently escaping prison, the police are already on the scene as the wrecking crew begins causing havoc. Danny tells Misty to help evacuate while attempting to stop them. Trying not to reveal himself as Iron Fist, he does what he can to slow the wrecking crew down until Wrecker launches him off some up-torn concrete. Meanwhile, as Misty is evacuating citizens, Bulldozer goes after her. Not being the brightest of the crew, she sidesteps his charge and pushes him into a war with her bionic arm. Unaware of Piledriver coming up behind her, he snatches Misty up. Before he can do any harm, Iron Fist leaps in and attacks, allowing his friend to escape. Knowing he is outmatched, the living weapon summons his chi as Thunderball launches his ball and chain. The collision of chi and magic causes an explosion that rocks the building. Interlude. Aboard the SS Balakavla from London to New York, Alan Cavanaugh has a nightmare about the bomb that killed innocent women and children during his time in the IRA. As he awakens and pours a cup of coffee, he tries to reason to himself that he's already paid the price for his mistake. In the room next door, the two men tailing Alan continue to play cards after hearing his screams. 
They debate on if the Irishman knows if they are after him or not. The blonde assassin wants to kill him and get it over with, but the IRA member in sunglasses tell him they have to wait. The assassin states that's fine, because in the end, he's going to prove he's back and deadlier than ever as a boomerang lands on the table. Back in New York City, Thunderball gets up from the explosion and begins the attack to police as Wrecker squares off with Iron Fist. Both lock up on the mystical crowbar and a test of strength as the energy of chi and magic surge over them. The power of the norms proves too much for Danny as Wrecker takes the crowbar and smacks him. As Danny gets up, Thunderball, realizing Iron Fist has concern for Misty, grabs her as a hostage. Realizing he's outmatched and outnumbered, our hero offers the Wrecking Crew a deal. I just realized that that auto-corrected to Wrestling Crew, which is fine because I'm a wrestling fan. Moving on. The deal is he'll break into Avengers Mansion and let them in. Then he'll send a signal for Thor to come so the Wrecking Crew can ambush him. Afterwards, they have to let Misty go. With the Wrecker agreeing to the terms, Iron Fist runs to the mansion and hopes that Iron Man is there to help. Let's move on to issue 12, titled Assault on Avengers Mansion. Your crew is completely the same, except for now we have Joe Rosen on letters, and Danny Cockrum, Frank Giacoa, and Danny Crespi has done the cover. Excellent cover, by the way, as Iron Fist is leaping up to punch Captain America, who is trying to defend a fallen Jarvis. Excellent, excellent cover. I love it. Six hours later, Cap is monitoring the news station on the Wrecking Crew's attack. With conflicting reports about Iron Fist aiding or fighting the villains, Steve investigates our hero himself. The computer first pulls up Iron Fist's involvement with the murder of Harry Meacham, followed by that of Bill Howes. Seeing enough, Cap heads out to stop the supposed killer, but doesn't see the next article that clears the hero's name of any charges. At that time, Iron Fist manages to sneak past the defenses of Avengers Mansion, but unfortunately comes right inside in front of Jarvis. Startled by the intruder, the butler runs to get Captain America but trips down the stairs. Before he hits them, Iron Fist leaps into the rescue, grabbing the butler to protect him and taking the bumps as they tumble down the stairs. Jarvis suffers no injuries but is unconscious as they come to a stop. Unfortunately, it's right in front of Captain America, who threatens Iron Fist with his life if the Avengers' trusted butler is hurt. Danny tries to explain to Steve, but he refuses to listen after what he's read in the reports. The fight between the two heroes goes all through the mansion, destroying everything around them before ending up in the Danger Room training facility. As part of the ceiling begins to fall, Iron Fist realizes this is his chance to prove himself. Refusing to move as the ceiling crashes down on him, Cap rushes to tackle Danny out of the way. Luckily for our hero, his gambit works as Steve realizes that he's been wrong and lets Iron Fist inform him of what has happened. Later on, the wrecking crew arrives at Avengers Mansion and are let in by Iron Fist. He leads them to where Cap lays dead on the floor. Suspicious of the whole ordeal, everyone but Thunderball, who is holding Misty Knight, Hostage moves in to check the body. With three of them out of his way, Danny attacks Thunderball, causing him to release Misty. Iron Fist immediately shoves her out of the room before sealing the doors to the danger room, springing the trap as Thor's training sequence activates. With all the weapons overpowering the Wrecking Crew, Iron Fist and Captain America leap into action. Quickly, all the Wrecking Crew are incapacitated, leaving the Wrecker alone. As one of the trap pinballs him around the danger room, Iron Fist finishes him off with his chi before the villain can get to his feet. Misty Knight, who has called the police, finally manages to get inside only to find out that Iron Fist and Cap are sitting on top of the unconscious pile of the wrecking crew. As the officers take away the villains, Steve gives Danny an apology and lets him out of an exit away from the media outside. With the day saved, Misty offers to take Danny out to dinner, who accepts, 
as he puts his arm around her. Now there's a lot to dive into with this book, and as soon as I play you a promo from Crossover Collision, we're going to dive right into it. Greetings, henchmen and loyal subjects. I am Evan the Great. And I'm JVD. We're your hosts of the fictional battle podcast, Crossover Collision, brought to you by the Villains Demand. If you love hearing in-depth breakdowns of your favorite characters and what they are capable of doing while fighting in random battlegrounds against other fan favorites, then this is the podcast for you. New episodes drop every Friday wherever you listen to your favorite podcast or over on thevillainsman.com. And welcome back to the Deadly Podcast of Kung Fu, brought to you by the Villains Man with JVD. There's a lot to dive into with this book. Uh, I really like the story. I've always liked Wrecking Crew. I know they're like Marvel's favorite jobbers, probably outside of like Terrax. And I really like them. Kind of iffy on what they did in the She-Hulk series. If you've seen that, you'll know what I'm talking about. But I really like that they're here against Iron Fist um, because they're outside his weight class and... He literally has to use his skill and speed just to try to contend with them. And then, uh, obviously, he gets to fight one of the greatest fighters in Marvel Comics, Captain America, which is a big deal because, you know, that's kind of why I have to talk about crossover collision because we talk about stuff like that on this show. Now, um, the reason I wanted to start listing what books are coming out each week with the issues that I'm covering is because I went down this giant rabbit hole of reading back issues, and it was all due to the first issue of this book, issue 11. So, um, let me get started. So, uh, there's some popular Marvel cameos in this book, and the first one is Daredevil. As we see uh, Iron Fist at the very beginning of this book, leaping around, going to the hospital. And Heather Glenn says, Matt, that superhero swinging by, it could almost be Daredevil. And then Matt says, I doubt that, Heather, since I'm Daredevil. On the other hand, whoever our young stalwart is, is very good. So we know now that's giving us you know, the connection between these two characters for possible team-ups. And, you know, they both are on Manhattan Island, so, you know, eventually they're going to run into each other. Now, there's no reference, but for the love of this podcast, I try to place when characters show up in the continuity of what's going on. So, obviously, we know that Daredevil 142 came out this same day, which is the start of a two-part story with Daredevil taking on Mr. Hyde and Cobra. We know... That the panel before all of this, with Iron Fist leaping around, reference it being morning and right before winter, as it says it's a Monday in New York, the Big Apple sky is clear as it ever gets these days. The air is brisk and cool, hitting at a winter lurking around the corner. This means that issues 144 and 145 of Daredevil are out of the question because those take place in the winter. Now, there's no panels referencing morning in issues 142 or 143 because they go together, so I backtrack to issue 141. And there in the morning, Matt and Heather Glenn go to meet her father after Daredevil defeated Mr. Stone the night before, who works for Maxwell Glenn, so this makes sense. I'm not saying that's exact, but I'm trying to piece everything together and, you know, give you the theater of mine of what would Matt be out doing in the morning while he sees Iron Fist for the first time leaping around? So, uh, next is something much bigger. It's a uh, cornerstone of Marvel. It's a big milestone for this team. This is the X-Men. Misty introduces Danny when he arrives to the hospital to a Scott Summers and Jean Grey. After becoming the Phoenix in issue 101 of X-Men, she was taken to a hospital that was never named. In 102, for a brief moment, they meet Misty Knight, which means Jean is in the Manhattan South Medical Complex where Professor Wing was hospitalized after Angar the Screamer attacked him with a mind storm. Makes you wonder, 
if Gene could feel his anguish and looks into his mind. Maybe that's what really made her Dark Phoenix. I know it's not. But you have to assume like she can feel his mind and feel that's messed up. Probably sees what he's seen when he's seen the dragon and everything. So there's your two big cameos in this book. But um, this isn't all. There's some more digging I've got here, folks. So after Danny and Misty leave the hospital, uh, the Wrecking Crew appears, and we learn about their multiple arrest and breakouts. So this led to some big backtracking. Now, oddly enough, both of the stories I'm about to reference mention Power Man Luke Cage, who will be guest starring here very soon on this podcast, uh, as we know that him and Iron Fist become the heroes for hire. So let's backtrack to um, Defenders 18 and 19, which are reference when the Wrecking Crew show up. And the Defenders, they team up with Power Man to fight the Wrecking Crew, and they're looking for this Gamma Bomb, Thunderball made, and dropped in some molten steel. And we kind of get his backstory, and uh, we learn a little about Thunderball, and I'm not going to have to go into that, because it's pretty interesting, and I didn't know that about the character. But do check out Defenders 18 and 19 of Volume 1. Now what I will say about this book is it's probably one of the best fights in Marvel that I've ever read. Uh, it's the Wrecking Crew versus the Defenders excellent story uh great fight really read it like i said you get the origin of thunderball um if you're just a marvel guy and you really like to learn the origins of characters this is a must read so um basically at, we never see the wrecking crew get arrested at the end but we know they do in the flashback that's brought up in issue 11 um we know the bomb is defused by banner and power man is mad at them because he couldn't stop the building from getting demolished so now he doesn't get paid so he automatically leaves the defenders so, in Fantastic Four 168, and then I went and read 166 and 167, and 168, Power Man is hired by the Fantastic Four after the thing turns human after battling the Hulk on top of the St. Louis Arch. That's why I had to go back and read 166 and 167. I never knew that was a thing. And being not that far from St. Louis, I had to read it because, hey, it's a comic book that takes place in my state, near my home, had to read it. But anyways, in 168, um, they fight the Wrecker, and he escapes prison, and he robs a bank, and we don't know why. Well, we learn that while he was in prison, the Puppet Master, which ties this to the Fantastic Four, crafted his crowbar with a thing of the Wrecker, and obviously we know how the Puppet Master's powers works, which gives him his crowbar while he's in prison, and he breaks out. And uh, while he breaks out, he goes on a look for the wrecking crew. Um, and what in this the, in the flashback it shows you that they arrest him after he's defeated by the Fantastic Four with Luke Cage, and they just put him in regular handcuffs. And he's the wrecker, and he's got the power to fight Thor because he's not sharing the power with any of the wrecking crew. So he breaks free and escapes, goes through all the prison, find the rest of the wrecking crew, and frees them. And now they're out to kill Thor, like I said. So this leads us down the last and final rabbit hole. Where was Iron Man? He wasn't at Avengers Mansion. That's why we got Captain America. So Iron Man was too busy in issue one to help Iron Fist and Colleen Wing. And I went through and found what issues of what he was doing and what could have been so important that an Avenger would not help somebody find a kidnapped person. So I did that here and that's why I went down this rabbit hole with all these books. It's going to help myself, like I said. In Iron Man 95 and 96, he was too busy battling Ultimo. So that is literally why he should not be at the Avengers Mansion. These books came out, both of them, between both of these issues. So to me, that makes sense. So there's your continuity for this book and with all the characters that are within the world of Marvel that appear. So 
moving on to the next topic at hand, indecisiveness. There's a lot of indecisiveness with the book. We uh, get the divide more with Colleen Wing and Iron Fist. We know when uh, he rescued her from Hollow On and he did the Lion Bird, she was very upset and mad at him for doing such a thing. And then you have the Bill Howell with Golden Tigers issue in the story before this where she was like really, really, really to arrest him because she really thought he was kind of doing this and Misty was kind of in between them. And uh, now we see that, you know, she kind of blames herself for not killing Angar due to her father. But it's almost the way she kind of dismisses Danny and leaves is because it's almost like she knows this whole thing is his fault. If she would have never went there and picked him up outside the Meacham building and brought Danny to Professor Wing, none of this probably really would have ever happened. So there's still this tension between the two and she can't decide if she really wants to be friends with him. Is not as what you're kind of gathering. Now, um, Danny is torn also with himself between being Danny Rand and this inheritance that he just got from his dad's corporation and from the Meachams, and then being Iron Fist and returning to Kun Lun, because we know here also in the story back in Hawan, um, he found out the truth of what happened to his parents involving UT and that he's actually the rightful ruler of Kun Lun. So he's also torn with that. So the last bit of indecisiveness and the the whole thing with trust is Captain America who is the guy who always does what's best for the people now what's out of character for Cap in this whole thing is he's back and forth he about Iron Fist he's heard Tony's story from issue one and then he's looking at all these reports so he's very torn and then the more he's reading the bad reports he realizes hey I've got to stop this guy but that's where I don't get it, is he doesn't read everything. And to me, that's not Captain America. He's very uh, gun-ho because he's realized, okay, this guy's been involved in two murder cases. I don't care what Tony said. He broke into to Stark Tower. And for all I know, he could break into here. So, yeah, three things of indecisiveness. And this is the story of Danny Rand as he's starting to meet more and more people within the Marvel Universe. So, n one thing I want to bring up here is, you know, I just talked about how Iron Fist broke into Stark Tower trying to get clues based on the leads he was given from Angar. There was no defenses that Danny could not penetrate in that tower, and me and Evan the Great on that episode really joked like you thought there would be more defenses. And he easily sneaks into Avengers Mansion here, which should be more heavily guarded than Tony's Tower, and he does it very easily, but we don't even get to see any of these. Uh, traps or anything that guards a tower all we get is that he accidentally runs into Jarvis which is kind of odd that he does all this snooping around just to run into the butler that he cannot stop it's kind of comical in a way but I don't understand it because how do you sneak all the way through start tower without getting caught but you stumble upon the butler after you get past the defenses here I don't I don't I don't get that now let's talk about the action in this book because man is there a lot of action. A lot of really good action between Claremont's storytelling and Burns' artistic skill. Pretty awesome. Um, as soon as the Wrecking Crew shows up, man, all hell breaks loose. And Danny is doing what he can to try to stop them before he turns in the Iron Fist. He basically has to let himself get beat. And even when he does, he takes a punch from Piledriver. And then Bulldozer charges him, and he throws him over his head. And that's when the Wrecker's like, hey, I gotta take this guy before he becomes some big hero. 
And then um, even Misty gets on in the action by throwing Bulldozer through a wall, kind of like, ole, like she's a, you know, a matador and he's a bull. And then um, Iron Fist, man, when he first comes in, Danny does in his costume, he takes both of his hands and he does the ear slap that you always get on both sides. You see a lot of it in wrestling on Piledriver because he knows he's outmatched. These guys fight four. So he knows he has to use his skill to hit their weak points. And that kind of takes him out. And then uh, he's dodging because Thunderball, who he's kind of the MVP of this book when it comes to the action for the Wrecking Crew because he's doing a lot of damage. Um, he's letting Wreck, uh, Thunderball take these guys out with his Wrecking Ball. And then uh, eventually there's a showdown where he's like, okay, we know this thing's made of magic. Then he's like, I have to destroy this thing. So he charges the Iron Fist and he punches the Wrecking Ball at the same time and it causes this big explosion. And then because Claremont's brilliant writing, they cut away and they give you the interlude with Alan Cavanaugh until you get back. Thunderball's launched backwards. He's like, all right, you know, that's your best shot. That brings in the wrecker. Iron Fist is using his speed to dodge him. And then they have this lockup, which is reminiscent from Defenders because Doctor Strange locked up with the wrecker. And that's how he took the wrecker out in that book. So Doctor Strange locked him up and I was obviously because he's far more powerful with more magic. The magic of the crowbar isn't nothing to him, and he overpowers the record. Not what happens here. Iron Fist's chi is enough to hold him off, but as it's fusing them, and the, and the artwork here is really cool, if I'll remember to uh, post this on social media, it's not enough to get the best of the record. And then now the record overpowers him, and he even references that part in the Defender story. So, in the next book, we move on, and we know that we've got to go deal with Captain America. So the action in this part, we do the whole kind of action in motion that's the, with the past that shows you with no inks until you get to where you need to be. There's more of that with the saving of Jarvis down the stairs. But as soon as Captain America shows up, this book starts off fast. Captain America literally fights Danny starting with page five. Um, he's throwing the shield around. Iron Fist is dodging it. He's getting good you know, hits on Cap as he's dodging the shield. They're go trading blows. I mean, they're going back and forth, knocking each other through walls. It's an excellent fight. And then when they fall into um, what I'm going to assume is the danger room is what it looks like, Danny realizes, hey, this shield is extremely dangerous to me. So he charges up the Iron Fist. we just seen it collide with Thunderball's Wrecking Ball, which is magic, and it hits the shield, which we know absorbs energy, absorbs kinetic energy. Well, the explosion launches Captain America back, and this is what kind of starts to bring the roof down. And uh, Danny barely dodges the shield, just to show you how equal these guys are. The fight is excellent. I can't talk about it a lot. And he realizes, hey, this is how I know that I got to get Cap's trust, and he lets him save him instead of dying. Now, when we move on to the final fight with the Wrecking Crew, obviously, much like Iron Fist knew, he was outmatched, so did Captain America, so they know they had to even the playing fields. And uh, he does such a thing, and they use Force Training Sequence, which is freaking brilliant. As soon as Danny attacks Thunderball and Cap jumps up from his playing possum, the Wrecking Crew are just done. There's all these robotic arms flying down, punching them. At one time, Bulldozer gets a press smashed on top of him. And all this, while it's going on, Captain America and Iron Fist are leaping in and out, making their attacks where they can. And uh, even during this, they're causing the Wrecking Crew once again, like Iron Fist did in the beginning of issue 11 with their fight, making them attack each other accidentally. And uh, it's funny, Piledriver even realizes that they are screwed so bad he tries to escape. 
and these Dr. Octopus type tentacles just leap out and grab him and he's screaming for his life. It's pretty awesome. And then uh, Captain America obviously uh, gets the last final shot on the Wrecking Crew's leader, the Wrecker, as he goes pinballing from all these basically mechanical arms that are knocking back and forth. And then Iron Fist, as he's trying to get to his feet, Iron Fist comes up to him and basically finishes him off, tells him he's going to jail. Finally, Misty Knight gets in the room and finds out, oh my god, these guys beat the Wrecking Crew by themselves. And uh, that's the end of the book. Now, the only thing I did not like about this book in general is the tease for this assassin. Uh, when we see the Alan Cavanaugh Hall interlude, we see the boomerang thrown on a table. Clearly an indicator that it's boomerang. And if you didn't know then, the end of the book tells you that. It's boomerang. I wish they would kind of left that a secret. Um, kind of a surprise not to let you know that boomerang is on his way. Um, at the time, Boomerang is not the Boomerang you have here in the late 2010s, early 2020s that everybody knows and loves. I wouldn't say he's a great Spider-Man villain back then, but I think they should have just kind of kept that a little secret. And just let the tease of the Boomerang be there. Or not even the Boomerang, just kind of have it off in the shadow. But yeah, that's my only complaint about this story. Excellent story, awesome, great fight, great story and callback all the way to... Issue 1 of Iron Fist. Can't talk about it enough. Perfect. But um, like I said before, kind of apologize for not having anything out these two weeks. I've been pretty busy with Crossover Collision. Please go check that podcast out if you like talking about fights with comic book characters. We even dip into movies and video games. And uh, this week, as you're listening, we will be having Obi-Wan Kenobi versus Gandalf, which should be pretty epic. But wrapping up this episode, I'm JVD. This has been... The Deadly Podcast, Kung Fu, brought to you by The Villains Man. Check me out over on Twitter, Instagram, Mastodon, Facebook. If you like our music, check out Kuro's Russian Tiger over on SoundCloud. But remember, guys, in the end, support your favorite podcast, support your local comic book shops, and keep reading comics, guys. Uh. Uh.